Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Lane. And this is Meg. And today we're going to be talking about Ravished by Amanda Quick. So this book was published in 1992 and recently NPR published a list of like their 100 best romance novels and this placed on that list. So we thought, why not read it? How high was it? Unsure. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to do some research on that and maybe get it posted on Instagram later. All right. So this one is from 1992. Yes, from 1992 is a long time ago. This is an Amanda Quick. If you have been listening to the podcast from the beginning, you will know that I, Meg, am a big fan of Amanda Quick. I really like her. I will still reread her stuff. So I actually owned this uh, paperback and I lent it to Lane. And it is well-loved, you guys. <laughs> it's falling apart. There's like the whole first five chapters of like, come on, stuck <laughs> from the rest of the book. Um, I don't know. I can reread Amanda Quick. A lot. So. I have enjoyed her. I think I might have liked her more if I'd read her a couple of years ago. Yeah. Like, I think, not in a terrible way, but they are a little dated feeling. They, they are definitely dated, but, I, and I, part of it for me is that these are some of the first romances I ever read, and, you know, you go back to read them, and right. you, you remember how you felt and why you liked them, so. And I just, the nostalgia factor isn't it's there for there. me. So I can recognize what's good about them, but the, I, I think they don't captivate me to the yeah. same degree. And for me, the flaws are almost like endearing. I'll go back and read it and be like, oh gosh, she had no idea how courtesy titles work. I love her, <laughs> you know? I don't know. I just, I love it. I read a review of Amanda Quick, one of her other novels recently, and it talked about how, uh, like, these are historical romances. They are. Um, set during the Regency, but I mean that's really just very sheer overplay. They're very much like overlay. They're very much like a science fiction novel where you're like, yes, this is set in the future, but everyone's eating salmon and eating pasta. You know? Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Right. That it's really just a veneer. Right. Exactly. But that doesn't bother me. Like I just love it. <laughs> hey, I, I this is only the second Amanda Quick I've ever read. Mm -hmm. So, but I can definitely see that the setting is less relevant yes to those of hers that i've read than a lot of other yeah. regency romances all right well let's start with the jacket as usual there was no doubt about it what miss harriet pomeroy needed was a man someone powerful and clever who could help her route the unscrupulous thieves who are using her beloved caves to hide her their loot but when harriet summoned gideon westbrook Viscount St. justin to her aid she could not know that she was summoning the devil himself Dubbed the Beast of Blackthorn Hall for his scarred face and lecherous past, Gideon was strong and fierce and notoriously menacing. Yet Harriet could not find it in her heart to fear him. For his tawny gaze, she sensed a savage pain she longed to soothe, and a searing passion she yearned to answer. Now, caught up in the beast's clutches, Harriet must find a way to win his heart, and evade the deadly trap of a scheming villain who would see them parted for all time. That's right. Thoughts on the jacket, Meg? Uh, 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 it's not... Okay, so it's not inaccurate, but I also feel like it doesn't do a great job of conveying what you're going to get with the book. Does that make sense? Yes. So we've got another brainy blue stocking who is hashtag not a botanist <laughs> yes for once um and i don't think you get sort of her at all no in this summary like it paints her of anything like a helpless woman who summoned the guy to, like 
fix the problem when in reality she's been trying to fix it on her own and like exactly is a lot more independent yeah and I think with him and this is something we'll get into I'm sure as we talk more about the book I thought the whole beast thing was really fragile oh totally so this emphasis on him as the beast I think felt overwrought throughout the text and they're really hitting it hard in the summary they're really going for it here and I read something somewhere. This was a republication of this book, the ebook, and at the and it said this is a retelling of Beauty and the Beast. And I was like, it is not a retelling of Beauty and the Beast. I was like, I do not see that at all. No. Nowhere, except in the fact that they call him the Beast of Blackmore Hall, Blackthorn Hall. Yeah, and, and it's we've talked before about how for some reason Beauty and the Beast seems to be the one that people want to, yeah, like adapt. But she's not. Like, she's the head of her family. She's not, she doesn't have a, like, zany, eccentric father she's trying to protect. Mm-hmm. She's not kidnapped by him in any regard. She never views him as a beast. Never. Yeah. So. It's, yeah. There, it's, that's, that's a parallel I absolutely would not have drawn. No, I, I wouldn't either. I was really surprised to see that. And so I'm glad to see that I mentioned that and you were like, yeah, no, I don't see it either. Nope. Okay, so as usual, we have a random number. We generated a random number. This week, that was 31, and we wrote our own summaries based on that number. So I'll go ahead and start. Here's mine. Ravishing fossil hunter meets the beastliest viscount and heir to an earl in England and single-handedly rehabilitates his reputation. Fake fossils, fake duels, and fake suicides all play a role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so mine. Preacher's daughters are either the Madonna or the whore in this weird mystery. Gideon refuses to challenge the reputation he did nothing to earn. Blue-stocking spinster is shocked by society's standards. Also accurate, yeah. So, I don't know. Let's, let's talk about the quality of the book. So, in general, this fits, I think, Quick's qualities in general. Uh, we've got some great tropes. So we have the, they, they are trapped together overnight, so they have to get married. Uh, the, the little twist on this trope is that there was, they, they were doing nothing innocent during this evening. Like, they were innocently trapped together, but once they were, I think they were like, let's make this <laughs> ruination a reality. Well, I think he does. Like, he knows the second they're trapped together that he's going to have to marry her. Mm-hmm. And so... If he's gonna have to marry her because the assumption is that they broke every proprietal norm, he's yes. gonna get his money's worth. Right. Whereas she is just falling in a fit of passion and is not even remotely considering the possibility that they might have to get married because of this. That's true. That's very true. She's a little too naive for me. You are gonna find that in most of Quick's books. Okay. Just I'm just gonna let you know. Like you've got a 25 year old spinster who like has a career. Yeah. As a fossil hunter, is respected by her peers in the field is very consciously trying to get her sister into society and i just found it so unbelievable that night in the cave like what a doe-eyed innocent she was yeah i mean i i do see where you're coming from so re i've talked about this before rereading this knowing that lane is going to read it makes (laughs) you read it differently you know what i mean yeah but I don't know. I still, I still like it. I still love it. It's not a dislike. I think overall I enjoyed this book. Yeah. It's just the difference, I think, between the romance novels that I enjoy reading and then sort of flit out of my head Yeah. versus the ones that stick with me are a lot of those types of things. Like, did the character seem really relatable and believable? Yeah. And she just isn't quite that. Yeah. So some more tropes. We've got the vicar's daughter. 
So she is, Harriet is a vicar's daughter. And spoiler alert, Gideon's former fiance was also the vicar's daughter. Yep. So in fact, the vicar's daughter of the same place. Different um, vicar. Different vicar. So different, she's not the sister of the previous fiance. So we've got that. We have the only one room in the end. Let's pretend to be husband and wife. That was great. We love it. We love it. That's one of my favorite tropes. I don't care how overused it is. Yes. Especially yes. when they're pissed, there's only one room. Oh, I love it. We have the, the waltz being super controversial. I actually really love, there's this one scene at a town dance. Mm -hmm. And he bursts in, dances one waltz only with her, and the waltz had pre previously been very verboten in this town. Yeah, I had never been to the town. So he, he like comes in, goes to the orchestra, says, play a waltz. Goes to Harriet, says, let's waltz. And she's like, okay. And then he leaves. <laughs> that, that whole scene, I was actually <laughs> laughing really hard. It's really <laughs> it's well really done. Good. It's really fun. Um, so, she, so Harriet sees herself as the head of the family. And she, she is. But she also lives with her aunt and her sister. And so her aunt and her sister are also play a role and the aunt is a little bit overbearing you know I think the aunt is a traditional spinster aunt well I yeah. this widowed aunt in this case um and the little sister I think is played sort of subversively in a way I really enjoy mm -hmm. so Harriet never got a season be essentially because of the timing of her father's death mm -hmm. so that's why she's ended up so secluded and that sort of to her fits her desires she doesn't lament that she didn't do the whole London thing yeah but her sister is very well adapted to it she's very charming and very attractive and very and and will be getting a small portion from mm -hmm. another aunt so is very well situated to have a stunning debut and you sort of find out the sister doesn't really want that mm -hmm. and not in a i'm rejecting society and very but like the sister felt a lot of pressure right. to make a good match i've got to save the family for the family and finding out that it's not that she didn't like london or having a season or being this model of femininity it's just that she felt really bad yeah about being the only option because harriet couldn't yeah ish yeah yeah um and then you know just the other trope and this is this is a big one just uh, across the genre in general but it's also specific for amanda quake is that this hero is like the alpha hero you know like very male and masculine and wants to be like head of the household so he's like very um he expects her to follow his orders and things like that. Yeah. yeah. But to be fair to Quick, uh, her heroines push back against this. So. Yeah, but it's there's a lot of conversations about, like, as my wife, you yeah. will do this. And, like, yes, the heroines do push back and say they won't make promises and do all of that. But it's just... It's still not fun to... Yeah. R romanticize exactly. that brutishness exactly and I, I mean i think that there is a fantasy out there of like the guy who wants to take care of you you know but there's a difference between take care of and control and i know i, I and agree. that's where to me this seems a little dated yeah it's like i think that was very representative and sexy yes in romance in yes. the early 90s I like agree. you've got this brutish guy who articulates wanting to control you but then in actuality is like willing to be a partner and is very supportive in fact of what you want to do right but i think now if you rewrote this book you'd articulate mm -hmm. his desires a little bit differently yeah. because they do come off as a little bit geeky exactly 
so, and then this is the prototypical quick where the hero lives up to the heroine's expectations. Mm -hmm. So, basically, in this book, I think it's the most obvious. Uh, his reputation is ruined in society. Like, no one, everyone in society thinks that he is the worst kind of person. He's not received anywhere. He is not, he's removed himself from society as well. And she doesn't believe the bad things that are said about him. And because she doesn't believe it, she makes him go back in society. And because of how she treats him, because of how he treats her, people start seeing, oh, wait, he actually isn't this terrible person that we thought he was. So the spoiler... It's not much of a spoiler. It's the, the very minimal spoiler, with very few details, is that his first fiance was the former vicar's daughter mm -hmm. and she killed herself after having told him that she was pregnant with their child according to the housekeeper yeah so th there's a couple different rumors circulating as to what happened but the bare bones is they were engaged mm -hmm. he went over one night and the next day she killed herself is the narrative that is being spread around. And there are rumors spread by the housekeeper and her father about the nature of their engagement, the way he treated her, why she killed herself, all of that. But she didn't like leave a note or anything. Right, exactly. So it's all rumor and speculation. I think plot wise, and you talk about the Regency era just being a veneer for right. quick. Oh yeah. I find it so hard to believe that because a silly little girl took her own life over a member of the aristocracy that he would face any repercussions for that oh totally not i mean i put in my notes this is not a book for the hashtag me too era like this, this obviously would would not happen like this is not true to life right he would have if he she would, killed herself over him he would have gotten off scot-free scot yeah. like completely completely and so the fact that he has faced six years of ridicule even with the housekeeper and the dead girl's father continuing to perpetuate the rumor. I just find it so hard to believe that this very powerful, very wealthy mm -hmm. man who would be a huge catch mm -hmm. would face the ostracization that he has. And I know yeah. some of it's self-imposed, but like the stuff that they say about him is very much like, oh, don't talk to that yeah. man. And it's like under no circumstances, yeah. please. He would have gotten absolutely everything. Yeah. No, for sure. But... I mean, if you take it as a novel and as a fantasy, I think it holds up. Right. If you take it as this would have happened in real life, doesn't absolutely not. Okay. So something, of course, we liked. She is a proto-paleontologist. So she is not a botanist. I loved her obsession with her work. Oh, my God. I love it. And it's not realistic. It's definitely one of those things that's, like, taken a little too far and played for laughs. But she is... Like, she does not understand that everyone is not a geologist. They want her fossils. Yeah. She is driven by the knowledge that this is the most important thing to her, and therefore it is the most important thing to everyone. Mm -hmm. And she makes the stupidest decision sometimes because she's like, I got to go to my caves. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just, I really enjoy it. No, you know? I loved it. Yeah. And something I like too, and again, this is very quick, but he obviously sees that, well, no, not everyone is a fossil hunter out for her fossils. But he comes to see her work as being very important as well. And so he's like very supportive and like wants to be there and like wants to facilitate getting her fossils. You know what I mean? Yes. He's <laughs> super, super supportive, but it's just hilarious. Oh, it's really funny. To which she is defined by 
it's, being a geologist. It's, it's really funny. Um, we talked about how she re rehabilitates his reputation. Mm -hmm. One of the things I like is how he, at first, he and her friends have this like conflictual relationship because they see him as you know trying to steal her away and she's too good for him for this beast blah 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 and he somehow manages to like get into their good graces i think the way he does it i really like it the way it's not manipulative i don't want to say it's that because it's not manipulative but i think he finds the way to do it which is by valorizing her. Right. And I also liked how the conflict in this book is really driven by the external villains. Yes. And this relationship between him and society and the relationship between the two of them is sort of never in question. No. Like even when all of society is like, he's going to go away and abandon you. She's like, he's coming back. Yeah. She's like, like good try. Have, if I wanted him to abandon me, he wouldn't. Yeah. Right. Like I really enjoy that there's just never a doubt in her mind at all. Yeah. No matter how many doubts society is trying to put in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are the. This is what I mean by saying the hero lives up to yeah. her expectations. Like she has extremely high uh, expectations for him, and he lives up to every single yep. one. Which, That's I mean, great. obviously, this is a romance novel. He is a romantic hero. This is what I want. I want someone who fulfills my fantasy, and and this is what happens here. Like she's like, this is what I want, and this is what he gives her. Yep. So. Um, this is just. We talked a little bit about the way he orders her around and mm -hmm. all of that. So, but I think you know the feminism here is a little rocky. But I also feel like personally, I've read a ton of marriage because of ruination. Yeah, and I I just think I might have read too much. Yeah, it gets to you after a after a point. You're like, okay. So I don't like. I think I might have a little bit more eye rolliness in my voice when I'm talking about this one through no fault of this books. I yeah. literally think I read four in the last two weeks yeah where they're forced to get married yeah and I hadn't read any in like six months so yeah. it's just I'm, I'm very overwhelmed by it I don't know it doesn't it usually doesn't bother me I kind of enjoy like that because I I want the couple to get together as early as possible in the books <laughs> right right so if, if it happens to be because she's running away from something and he is too and they get caught in the library together doesn't bother me bothers the wrong word like I like it fine as a trope yeah. it's just Especially because I think in every one I've read lately, the guy's been like, we're getting married, and the woman's been like, we don't have to do that. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so it's just the, ex it's played out in the exact same way. Yeah. In all of the ones yeah. I've read recently, and so I just, I'm a little yeah. bit But they over can't, it. you know, it's the whole thing that authors can't write a woman who wants to trap the man into marriage. So it has to be very explicit. Right, it has to be explicit that she didn't mean to do it, she's not going to force him to do anything he doesn't want to do, and he's like, but I do want to do it, or whatever. Right. So. Um, this, so this one had some weird formatting to me. So as Meg mentioned, I usually don't bring this stuff up because for the most part, I read these on eBooks mm -hmm. and on my Kindle. And so I assume like weird formatting might just be an error in translation, but I read the physical book of this one. And so there's one place where she's post this waltz scene that was amazing. She's in the carriage with her family mm -hmm. and they're sort of talking about how scandalous it was that he walked in and he only danced with her. And the paragraph ends with like her thinking about the quote thrill that had shot through her when he had whirled her about on the dance floor. And then the next paragraph, like not even an extra space, no break at all, is her getting up out of bed. You know, I mean, I guess she was just lost in her thoughts and you didn't see her get out of the It was just like, it's definitively a full like 
10 hours later. Yeah. yeah. And like, there's no break. It was very jarring reading it. I had to reread it like three times to be like, wait, are we still in the carriage? Yeah. Or was the carriage in the house? Yeah. Um, a, but the carriage was in the house all along. And there's also a weird bit of dialogue between Gideon and somebody he meets in his clubs when he's come back to London to like officially announce yeah. he's going to marry her. And the guy comes up to Gideon and he's like, is there any truth to it? And Gideon's like, yeah, you may rest assured that the rumor concerning my engagement is true. And the guy's response is, so it is true then. Well, yeah, but that's, that's Fry. That's like the guy he's talking to who's like kind of dumb. I know he's dumb, but I still, every single sure. line in that interaction was like, is, is it, it true? true? Yes, it's true. Is, is it, it true? true? <laughs> and I just, I was like, this is so weird. Yeah. And I also died. There's a scene where they're making out and he stops making out with her to tell her, you are very delicate very soft but there is strength in you yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is Look, this dialogue you want to know what it is he's warning her that he's a big dude okay i mean i'm just saying <laughs> i died i was like if anyone ever stops making out with me to make a pronouncement like that i'm gonna be like go home <laughs> you wouldn't just keep kissing him come on like, no that that line was... would freak me out i'd be like what are you talking about all right whatever <laughs> whatever okay um so let's talk about things that might be offensive or anti-feminist. We already talked about this a little bit. This is definitely not a book for the Me Too era. If you have been sexually assaulted or know someone who was sexually assaulted and then it was totally overlooked and because people thought you were lying about it, this is not the book that you would probably want to read. Just saying. Yeah. Um, the whole, the, oh, something, so this is more literarily offensive to me than anti-feminist. The entire character of, of Moreland, so he's like the main bad guy in the whole book. I, he's a bad guy. He's a, there, are, there are a few villains in this Two book. to three. Yeah, so he's one of them. And he, I, there's no reason for why he is evil. Like there's, no, there's just no reason for it. And he's I, straight up evil. Yeah, like straight up evil, like straight up, like nothing. Everything he does is with an ulterior motive mm -hmm. to, to be evil, like an evil ulterior motive. It's not like I need money. It's not like black. It's like there's nothing to explain why he's mean or evil. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he's that. Um, so this is more, I don't want to say anti-feminist, but definitely like not uh, progressive. The, the other main villain's motivation is because he's crazy. Like, he's insane. Yeah, that's, I put in my quick summary that the mystery of this one is really weird. Mm -hmm. Because even though it does get solved, the motivations and the why and the actual plans, like, clearly were not the focus yeah. of this book. No, no, no. No. So, anyway, just things to keep in mind if you're considering this book. Yeah. Uh, sexiness. Cheesy is all get it out. Is, okay, it is true. It is super cheesy. Um, but I like love that how cheesy it is. Like, okay, so we all know that Harriet is a fossil hunter, right? So she spends her days looking at fossil bones, right? So in one of their, sex their first sexual encounter, in fact, I think she's like, I've never seen a femur this big. <laughs> but guys, I like, I love it, I love it. I don't know about you, Lane. I mean, it was, I was like giggling yeah. when reading it. It was. It was entertaining, for it's, sure, it's and it wasn't great. offensive, but I will say, I read this, like, 
a week ago. Yeah. And like I have forgotten all the sex. Yeah. Like it's it was not a ton. Yeah, there's not a lot. And whatever was there was clearly not memorable for me. It was more like reading the facts of okay they got ruined yeah. in a cave. It's it's not super it's not super sexy. Um, and I'm but, not just using that as a euphemism for graphic. No, no, no. Because no. like what is there is pretty graphic. It's just that it's not my idea of sexy, yeah. I think. Well, it's very cute sexy. Yeah. You know, like she's very cute, innocent, whatever. 24-year-old spinster who supports herself. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I mean, she, anyway, that's, that's just how these scenes are written and how they play out. And it does do not bother me. In fact, I enjoy them. I love the stupid, like, oh, I don't think I've ever seen... She's not just his femur, but she like talks about his um, phalanges. And his toe bones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, just silly things like that. Or like, there, there's this really cute part where he's like, you're so beautiful. And she's like, I'm totally not beautiful. She goes, but you're hot. And he's like, obviously we have matching ocular defects. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's like cute. It was adorable. You know what it, I mean? it's, it's adorable. It's very cute and, and adorable. I think... I can, I'm definitely starting to see trends in her mm-hmm. writing, like even compared to this and Mistress. Yes. I, this is neither a good or a bad thing, it's just an observation. The two female characters are so similar. Oh yeah. You, and here's the thing, you know what you're gonna get when you read Amanda Quick. Mm-hmm. And this is what you're gonna get. You're gonna get like the super alpha hero. You're gonna get the cutie, innocent, but smart heroine. They're not gonna, there's not gonna be a big misunderstanding. So he, she, he's not gonna intercept some letter that she wrote to herself saying, I'm not in love, or whatever, like, which I have read. I have read this. Um, the hero is always respectful of the heroine's wishes. So he's always gonna respect what she wants. Even if he thinks it's stupid, he's gonna respect it. For example, there's another book where she's a poet, and her poetry is like really bad, it's awful, and he would never say that it was awful. Like he thinks that it's awful and he knows that it's terrible, but he's never gonna like denigrate or, or say that she shouldn't be spending her time doing that. Right. For example, you know what I okay. mean? Okay. So anyway, um, and he, I would say he would always respect her personhood. Like he always sees her as a person. The same person in all of them. I mean, look, <laughs> I'm just saying if you like reading these books, you're going to like the others. Well, and that's why I'm not, not saying it's a different. good or a bad thing. Yeah. I would say I wouldn't read Amanda Quick in quick succession. Yeah. There are some authors that like, I like them. Sure. I just have learned that I need to space out reading yeah. their books because I do get an overwhelming sense of sameness pretty yeah. quickly. And I can already tell with Amanda Quick that I need to not read more than like one a month. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's probably, probably the same for me. I think part of my issue was that I read Mistress like three times in a row in one year and I was like, okay, this is a little too much mystery. You mean like six months ago? Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. But yeah, overall, if you like Amanda Quick, this one's exactly what you're expecting. Yeah. There's nothing, it's it's a little dated, but not, you know, there's no violence really. There's no graphic descriptions of sexual violence. No. There's. Yeah. If you like, you know, from the, from the wilds of, I and oh, she never even says where they are in England. You know, like they're they're in Upper Biddleton, but where the heck is that? I don't know. Somewhere where there's a coastline and caves, and then they go to London. So if you want something that goes from Upper Biddleton near the coastline where there are smugglers to London, back to Upper Biddleton with a viscount who's going to be an earl who needs to rehabilitate his reputation, like read this book. You're not going to be disappointed. Yeah, hundred percent. 
But so thank you as always for listening. If you could please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back soon with another installment of Plot Thanks for listening. Bye.